0: Welcome to the Voices of Young People podcast, brought to you by Springtide Research Institute. In each episode, we hear directly from young people as they respond to our research and share about the issues impacting their lives. As sociologists and researchers, we see a new story unfolding for young people, one that moves beyond traditional institutional boundaries and requires careful attention to the inner and outer lives of emerging generations. At the intersection of being and becoming, it's the voices of young people.
1: Hi there, I'm Marta abawaji and we have a great episode for you today. This is season seven of the Voices of Young People podcast. I'm the head of community engagement at Springtide, and one of my favorite parts of my job is getting to have conversations with young people. This season is so special because we're bringing together different young people from different realms of life, different parts of the country. Um, Today's students are both currently in high school. One's in Minnesota, one's in California, but they are meeting for the first time in this podcast episode, and yet they are still willing to have a conversation about mental health and the ways that they come across mental health messages in, in their own lives and the type of support they're looking for, for themselves and for their peers. So I would love to have Talia introduce herself first and, um, we'll get to know Juliana after that. Yeah. Uh, My name is Talia
2: Solomon. I'm 16 years old and I live in California. Um, I'm currently a junior at Lowell High School in San Francisco. Um, And one of my hobbies is uh, I'm a swimmer and I love to read.
1: Awesome. What kind of books do you read? Is it fiction, nonfiction, a combo?
2: Definitely fiction. I definitely like kind of dystopian like um, dramas. Yeah, for sure
1: nice dystopian do you end up trying to watch the movies if they make film versions or do you just avoid the film version altogether
2: sometimes if i really love the book i'll try i'll avoid the movie because i just don't want to ruin it but
1: if if it's too good to resist i'll watch the movie i get that i get that that's awesome we're so happy to have you in this podcast episode juliana we'd love to hear a bit about you so I'm Liliana Pacheco.
3: I'm 14 years old in my freshman year at De La Salle High School, and I'm living in Minnesota. Um, I have a deep interest for the arts, whether it's theater, singing, actually
1: drawing, or writing. Every every type of the arts you like, check it all off: writing, drawing, theater, singing, acting. I love it, and I know that you are even recording this episode after a rehearsal. So. Thank you. We, yeah. know, we know that you have a lot, a lot going on in life with, with the arts. Juliana is also one of our Springtide ambassadors, and you can learn more about that program on our website at springtideresearch.org S SAP, which stands for our Springtide ambassadors program. So thank you both for engaging this conversation. We're talking about about mental health and, and Gen Z. So I wanna know as young people, when you hear the phrase mental health, what are the first words that come to mind?
2: Um, I think I personally um, definitely think of it as like kind of a spectrum, like kind of in my own life. Uh, I think of like how stressed I am or how I'll deal with that or kind of more um, in a sense of like my emotions and that like in my everyday life, but I know for some people it can be like more serious and uh, that's just like how I think of it more on a spectrum. Yeah, that
3: makes a lot of sense. What would you say Juliana? I would say balance humanity and overwhelming balance as a big part of mental health is learning how to get a good grip on your feelings and being able to balance it to be able to like understand fully and comprehend everything that's going on within yourself and the others around you. Humanity as it's something that everyone goes through and you can't really avoid it and we're all human and we're bound to make mistakes and we're bound to be stressed at times and then overwhelming because stress anxiety and like entirely it's just a whole overwhelming state in your mind and it's all about trying to get through it and getting over it but sometimes it can leave you trapped in this world of worry
1: those those immediate reactions from both of you are helpful to frame up this this conversation i'm wondering where do you get messages about mental health we hear from a lot of young people um, that social media is one of the main places where they get messages we also hear um schools being a place do either of those resonate for you are there any additional areas you would want to mention I think, um, I definitely get it from my
2: friends. Um, we definitely always talk and check in constantly. Um, and then definitely from my, my peers at school. Um, I think it's a big topic at my school. Uh, it's pretty, my school's pretty competitive with academic wise. So there's definitely a sense of always wanting to, um, check in and make sure everyone's getting what they need and everyone's okay. Then it's also a topic within my family, just with, um, I have a big family, so lots of moving parts and lots of, you know, can be drama. So we just try to always make sure everyone's good and everyone's getting what they need and everyone feels heard.
1: I'm glad you have so many supports and so many people, whether it's family or friends or peers, that it's an open conversation, it sounds like, for, for mental yeah. health. Juliana, do you, do you um, have similar conversations or, or other areas where you get messages about mental health? I would definitely say like throughout everywhere I go, really, because I feel like now, especially in mental
3: health has become a really big topic considering the circumstances that the world has been undergoing and we're all like worried together and it's not just like separately. And of course, we're all going through our separate issues, but there's definitely a bonding moment where we all have a similar issue to tackle and we're able to connect together even more and be able to relate to each other on different ways and even understand each other and be able to help each other out, even if we can't have that direct interaction and understanding of it.
1: I hear you on that. I remember in year one of the pandemic talking to my own friends and us feeling like, when else has this happened in the course of our lives where everyone in the world is impacted in some way from the pandemic? And I'm assuming that's what you're referring to in terms of like, there's so many more constraints that that find uh, our mental well-being impacted. Um, our physical life has been impacted, but that has carry over to our, our mental health as well. It's definitely for
3: like the better and worse. On one hand, we're all very physically distanced, but on the other hand, we're all really mentally connected. So it's just like your outlook on it and like how you perceive it.
1: Yeah, so I hear you saying like, in some ways you can find connection <laughs> from, from this reality. If, yeah, I think it's definitely easier to like
2: talk to people who are going through the same thing. You have like something you can relate with each other. Yeah. So it just makes it easier to open up and talk to someone who knows like kind of what you're
1: thinking, what you're feeling. Well, you that, know, that, that me up to really ask my next question, but I didn't want to cut you off. Were you going to say something else Juliana? Well, Since
3: it's worldwide, it's definitely more expanded on media. Like you're saying how you can like say presented percentage of media is <laughs> <laughs> or talked about, especially when social media has become bigger, since we're like at home more and able to like really connect through
1: there. That's true. I, I agree with mm-hmm. like people being, their lives being at home so much more, whether even when school was especially based at home, there there was a lot more messages you would get from social media because you weren't doing as much face-to-face and in-person interaction. That, mm-hmm. that really makes sense. If you were worried about a friend, or yourself when it comes to a mental health concern, I'm wondering who you would turn to in your life.
2: I definitely find I would go to my parents. Um, I think uh, we have a really great relationship. Like you were saying earlier, it's pretty much like an open conversation where I feel totally 100% comfortable um, just kind of always saying how I'm feeling and expressing um, like what I need. And I think that's something I've definitely had to work on and get better at, like identifying what is wrong and then what I need and then uh, like how they can help me. So I definitely think if I was worried about a friend, I would definitely go to my parents or with my close friends. I think I have close relationships with their parents as well. And I know it's just a great community of people who want the best for that person. Mm. So I think it would definitely be the way to go.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that. We we have a report releasing in 2023 that's specifically focused on parents and caregivers um, in terms of different home life settings where um, what what can those type of adults do to, to intervene and to support in the area of mental health. So that's great to hear that not only your own parents, but even the parents of your close friends, you feel like you can turn to with, with different questions and concerns uh juliana who would you turn to
3: well i feel like in
1: within a school environment definitely like the counselors or like teachers
3: i've been presented with many like trustworthy teachers that i can just go to with my problems and like be able to see it through with them and they definitely see me as an equal and they're not just like looking me down as a child and like being able to talk to me one-on-one and like really recognize what's
1: going on Yeah, that that type of engagement really connects with our research, um, especially what we released in twenty twenty. In the state of religion and young people, it was focused on a concept we call relational authority. And you, you actually defined it really well there where to, to be a trusted figure, it's not about, um, holding up your credentials of how you should really be seen as qualified and, and trustworthy, but instead being more empathetic and and relatable and listening well. Um, And like you said, not talking down to me, like I'm a child, but, but making me feel like I'm on equal footing with you. Um, And that, that really built a sense of, of trust. It sounds like for the, the educators and counselors you're mentioning in your school setting. So I'm so happy that both of you can readily draw to mind, different adults who feel like you could turn to for yourself or for a friend um, have either of you ever considered, um, professional support in terms of like seeing a therapist? That's something that I've found so meaningful and so helpful at different seasons in my life. And I'm wondering in high school, if you feel like that's a resource you've been able to utilize or, or have seen friends utilize.
2: Yeah, I personally have, um, I've never been to therapy or like seen a professional um, to talk about like my own mental health, Um, but I do have friends who are in um, therapy and I know my parents have done therapy and I know it's a great um, resource just to get like an outside perspective of someone who, again, like it's not going to talk down to you, who, who's solely there for the purpose of helping you work through your, your own, like, issues or anything, just the purpose of bettering you. Yeah,
1: well said.
3: Uh, I have looked into there because um, not as much anymore, but when I was younger, I had really bad anxiety issues. So like, it was just like a matter of like how to be able to handle my stress on my own and always like have somebody to be dependent on. But I found that sometimes it's better just to be able to have like some sort of trusted adult or advisor. Because rather than just like talking to someone that you're not entirely comfortable with. Yeah, no, that
1: makes sense. I think like trust Trust is a big factor. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear on that. I'm, I'm so um, pleased to hear that you both have hobbies that you mentioned at the beginning that you feel like ground you or just really help um, connect you to, 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 outlets beyond school beyond the pressures of of your high school academics and and social life and extracurriculars i'm wondering are there any activities you do that you feel like directly support your mental health um and if so how do they help you when you're feeling stressed or anxious or whatever the mental health experience is how do those activities support you
2: Yeah, I think like I mentioned before, I love to read. And it's just super helpful to kind of forget about my own problems and get out of my own head and kind of just like read a book and get into someone else's head and read a story that is like, completely preposterous and could never happen. But it's just like so intriguing and interesting that I get so lost in it. I just kind of forget about everything else. Um, And I also said I'm a swimmer. So I definitely find it's good to like Um, put my energy into something else that's also productive and makes me feel good and makes me feel like I'm, you know, doing stuff and getting exercise um, and also kind of feels that like competitive nature in me Mm -hmm. to, you know, do my best. And it's definitely a great outlet to like de-stress and just think always.
1: Yes. I, oh, I love both of those examples. The like escape Uh, reality of of a good book and and the movement and like you even said competition that that gets at actually something I want to talk about in a bit in terms of expectations but um yeah I like I like how you described that I a lot of young people will point to movement but the fact that you can even pinpoint like a sense of healthy competition, how that can support your, your mental health. I don't always hear that. So that, that was illuminating Juliana, what sort of activities do you feel like support your mental health that you're interested in? Well, I love
3: to sing and I'm in um, two choirs. I'm in a concert and a gospel choir and I feel like singing is something that I've always done. I've been singing since a really young age, so it's always been like a good support system, something I've always depended on and something that's always staying cons- consistent with me. And it's also like growing with me as I grow. and like the more practice I put in, the more like more like better it gets, I guess. And it's just something that like relieves my stress because it's just I can sing any word I want and I can just have total control and power over it and how it goes and I don't have to think about everything else going on in my life that I may not have control over at times. And I'm with other
2: yeah. people that I enjoy being. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think definitely as a teen, there's like so many things you feel like you don't have control over, like especially in school and in classes. And then like in your home life, you're still kind of in that weird stage where it's like you're under your parents, but it's it's kind of you have your own brain and things to think about. So it's kind of that in between. So it's definitely good to feel in control. So I can totally relate to that.
3: It's also something that no one can take
1: away from me because it's completely my own. Just a quick break to give a shout out. Springtide is able to offer this podcast because of donors who make our research and actionable insights possible. Corey, a faith leader who read our belonging study wrote, for folks who pursue ministry in any form, Springtide provides a necessary and at times sobering picture of youth and loneliness. We learned through these findings, young people crave being known. Moreover, that relationship should be the centerpiece of any ministry before programming and other metrics. It was a joy to read this as a practitioner and to engage with students on some of this data. Props to the first rate team at Springtide who are on to something new and exciting. You can see more of our current findings on our website, springtideresearch.org, where you can also make your own tax-deductible donation with a variety of giving options. Now, back to the episode. Throughout our whole mental health series, we, we have some sort of pillar themes. There are connections, expectations, and purpose. So it sounds like these extracurriculars give you that that sense of connection, connection to yourself is what I heard both of you defining a lot of ways as well as connections to others. When you think of your school, I'm wondering um, who at your school that that makes you feel connected in a positive way that you feel like you can trust um, to talk about mental health issues?
2: Yeah, I think first for me, it's my friends and the community I've kind of built um, at my three years so far at my school. Um, they kind of just are always there for me. They I've been with them for a while now, so they know how to talk to me and how best to get through to me. I know they're always going to like tell me the truth and be honest. Um, and I know, like, I know them super well. So I know they're like smart individuals who have, you know, been through their own experiences and have their own insights that are going to be value to me. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. That sounds like a great support.
3: Um, going off of what Talia said. I mean, i my current school. I've only been there for a year, but I do have loads of my childhood best friends. So it's like, I still have people that I've always depended on my whole life. And like, I've always appreciated and loved, and then new people that I can connect with and understand them and get new perspectives on in life. And I have two different perspectives that can see me and read me and like help me out and also be able to just communicate with me. And then also like teachers, like all teachers at my school are really great support systems. And they're all very understanding, especially my music director, who like knows me as many different things. He knows me as a singer, he knows me as the person I am. He knows me as the type of student that I am. So he can connect with me on all three levels and be able to resonate with me in so
1: many ways. That's wonderful. Especially as you're still, um, you know, finding your place in that school. It sounds like you've already really built um, a network, not just of peers, but of of those trusted adults that you've mentioned who you feel like they get me. And I can, I can be real with that. We We want all of the adults who read our research to feel like that they are building those exact types of connections. I I mentioned the idea of expectations before, um, especially when Talia was talking about um, the way that swim kind of gives her this, this drive of how to like do, do her best. And it sounds like that is like a healthy or a helpful form of expectations. Um, But we also know that sometimes expectations can be not so helpful they can be harmful for our mental health so i'm wondering if either of you have examples in either direction of of where expectations really help you to center your mental health or where sometimes the expectations in a school setting do the opposite effect
2: yeah i definitely think swimming like i said before it's a great way of just healthy competition and I love how it's it's a team sport, but it's also individual. So I have that aspect of my, my team cheering me on, but it's also like I'm in my own lane doing it for myself. I'm trying my best and I know, you know, whatever I put in is what I'm going to get out. And I can, you know, just drive that forward and do my best. Uh, but then on the flip side, there's definitely um, stress at my school. It's definitely an expectation to take all the high level classes and do like five APs. So um, um, yeah. there's definitely that competitive nature, which I find can be not always healthy with um, just that kind of setting where it's like pushing others down. If it, if like comparing yourselves to others. Um, but I find swim has been a great outlet for me to get out of my own head and feel good about myself and what I'm doing.
1: That's that's really helpful to hear, Juliana. Do you have examples in in either regard with expectations? Well, I think in the negative light of expectations,
3: I tend to expect a lot for myself. I set up for like a lot of activities and lots of different interests. And I expect myself to be able to keep up with them all the time to the point where I feel like sometimes I just reach my breaking point and can't stand it or handle it anymore. And I'm not always the best at like getting the help that I need. So like I'll just be working and working till I just like can't do it anymore. And I feel like it can affect my mental health a lot because it could cause like anxiety attacks or just make me not like mentally well. And it can make me really exhausted. I mean, like today I'm here till nine. I was at school Uh till nine yesterday and and. I mean, tomorrow morning, I'm going to come back early for student council. And just like, these are all things that I love and I want to do them all. But I feel like at one point or another, I just need a little break for everything and be able to take some time for myself.
2: Yeah, I definitely feel that pressure to juggle everything. Definitely with school. My school starts early and then I have to even miss some class to make it to swim practice and swim meets. So that's work I have to make up. And then I have, um, I work now I work at a gelato shop in San Francisco. Um, so that's been great and I'm super into it, but, um, it's definitely just another thing on your plate to manage and, you know, juggle everyone's expectations and everyone's needs.
1: Man, I, I feel like so many adults when they, listen to our podcast episodes, they have these reckonings of like, Oh my God, I don't know if I was doing as much as young people are doing and holding down today or trying to hold down when it is like a job and school and, you know, hard classes, rigorous classes that have a lot of homework and follow-up, let alone all of the passions and hobbies you want um, and and need to to help um, support you but also that it's another thing to do like Juliana is saying you're at school till 9 p.m most nights and back early before school starts for for other um, programs or like student council in the morning so you both are doing so much and that that is why we find this mental health conversation all the more relevant and all the more needed, um, to make sure that, that you're finding those spaces for balance and, and breath. Um, and, and like you both described, just, just time for yourself to, to, to decompress even. So I'm wondering if, if having a sense of purpose, um, And I hear I want to define purpose as something bigger than yourself. I'm wondering if that sense does support your mental health or, or does it impact it in some way? Um, And something bigger than yourself could be defined really however you want. It could be a higher power. It could be a community. It could be a cause or a movement. Um, Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah. I definitely feel um, on my team. So I'm on the, the swim team at school, and then I do club swimming as well, which is year-round versus the school is just, um, a couple months out of that school semester. Um, so the team aspect is really great to make me feel like included. And like, I'm part of, like you said, part of something bigger, we're all working towards a common goal of doing our best and also performing well as a team. But then there's also that added pressure of, you want to perform well. So, Like there's definitely like coaches and your teammates. If you're like especially in the relays, it's a lot of pressure to go your fastest and um, like just perform well. Like I said, so it can be intimidating and stressful
1: as well. I hear that, Juliana. What what would you say for connecting with something bigger than yourself and that that sense of purpose?
3: Well, I feel like. There's more purpose when I'm able to like join in my community and be able to like do something for others and not just be so reserved to myself because I feel like it's great to of course have some alone time. But at the end of the day, I do want to be able to like share my voice with others because I do spend a lot of time writing. And I feel like if I keep that for myself, it's not really appropriate when I have a lot to say and like a lot I want to change for the school. That's why I've been joining a lot in um, school government systems where I can definitely have a say in what's going on and be able to help for the greater change. And I mean, as far as diversity goes, I'm Latina and I definitely want to incorporate that more and be able to make sure it's a safe space for other people like me or like people in other ethnicity groups or in the LGBTQ community where they can have a safe place and a place where they can be like have some relatability and understanding and they can be around other people that make them feel comfortable.
1: That's tremendous. I'm so glad to hear that having that sense of of purpose, even within your own school community, is is a driver for you to to make sure that there is that safe place, that that real place of connection and inclusion, um, not only for yourself, but for for your peers as well, even coming from backgrounds different than your own. I, I love hearing that from both of you, that team aspect and that, that movement or cause aspect. Um, you, you both for being 14 and 16, did I get that right? You both like have, have, like so much drive. It's really inspiring to hear the ways that you're you're connecting um and, and looking out for not only your own well-being, but this team aspect or this this greater school aspect um of where you both find a sense of purpose. Do you feel like Generation Z is onto something here with mental health? Like, do you feel like your you and your peers? think about mental health differently than maybe your parents or previous generations?
2: I definitely do. I think maybe my parents saw it as kind of not as like big as maybe it is or impactful. Like you're just sad one day or, Oh, you just must not be feeling well, but it's so much bigger than that. It just can take such a toll on your daily life and just impacts you greatly. And I definitely think, our generation is onto something with the way um, we can, I feel like it's such more of a relevant topic of conversation now and it's um, much easier to be open about.
1: I agree. I think your generation is normalizing it to to, to just see mental health as, as an integral part of each human being. You both have defined that from the beginning of this conversation already in such profound and important ways. Juliana what what would you say well i say um going off the cultural
3: aspects with my latina background like a lot of it's like always saying no therapy and saying that you can figure it out on your own it's like always like a common joke or like meme people use but it's just really relative to what it's like in like a Latino family like they don't think that they need the help and there's always a lot going on especially within Latin American countries and I feel like here like being around an American society it's definitely a lot more normalized to be able to like go get help and be able to get the resources you need which I think is very important that way you can be able to move on from it within a healthy manner and be able to of yourself and make sure that everyone else around you is okay
1: too That, that cultural aspect and that specificity for so many different ethnic groups, I think is, is important. And it comes up in other podcast episode conversations with, with a whole host of different identities that young people hold where they're saying, you know what, my, um, home-based community in some way hasn't always been, um, reflective in this area with mental health or there's there's a learning curve here and so I I really appreciate you bringing that up as well and I think that's another way that your your generation is is um redefining things or are pushing the conversation in a lot of different spaces and communities well I oh yeah go for it sorry um well I think avoidance was just like a big
3: um like common ground for many people like back in the day or like former generations and like being able to really confront It's just a better, like, and healthier way to go about it.
1: This has been a wonderful conversation just to wrap things up. I'm wondering if you feel like, you know what? Um, There's this one other topic that we didn't hit on or this theme or question. I really want to bring in, um, if, you know, if you want to, after that as a last word, I'd love to hear your thoughts.
2: I think we talked about some really great things and I love all this kind of, this like idea you have going of like connection and then expectation and purpose. And I just, yeah, this has been great. I think we've, we've talked about it and I,
1: yeah, I definitely have loved this. Wonderful. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm really loving that your perspective brings our research to life that much more Juliana any last thoughts from you maybe like some sort of like some of the health
3: aspects of things like how like greater sleep can you know like help you out a lot and be able to like really be able to have a controllable and healthy environment to be going about your life in
1: Oh, man, I hear you on that one. I hear you loud and clear on like the enough, (laughs) enough sleep. Even in my my mid 30s, that is such a real like difficulty, Uh, especially I have I have a little one and juggling sleep affects my own mental health so much day in and day out. So you're right. There's so many physical health realities that connect with our mental health. And I think that's, again, what your generation is helping us talk about in in just really simple ways of being like, we aren't these fragmented people. We, all of our systems impact one another. So thank you for, for that last thought there. I've loved talking with both of you and it never ceases to amaze me the way I can get two relative strangers onto a call and they're immediately building connections off of one another and and opening up in such helpful ways. Thank you, Talia, and thank you, Juliana.
0: Visit springtideresearch.org to hear more voices of young people and to learn about the latest research and resources available in our mental health and Gen Z series. Springtide Research Institute is supported by donors who believe in the critical research and insight generating work we do on behalf of young people. Make your own tax-deductible donation with a variety of giving options on our website today. Be sure to follow us on social media at WeAreSpringtide and interact with the resources in the Springtide series on mental health by using the hashtag Z. Today's show was produced by Marta Abowaji. The audio was mixed by Andy Palmer with original music created by high school student Christian Unthink. Special thanks to the 16 guests featured in season seven and to all the young people whose perspectives and insights make our research possible. Thank you for listening.